Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Paychecks Business Series podcast. I'm your host, Gene Marks. I'm a certified public accountant and regular business columnist for a bunch of publications, including Forbes and Entrepreneur. But more importantly, I'm a small business owner of a financial and technology management services company. I've teamed up with Paychecks, the leading provider of human resources, payroll, benefits, and insurance services to bring you real-life advice from real-life business owners and industry experts. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the complexities of running a small business and how one business owner handles the challenges that he faces. And that business owner is Jim Gaffigan. In this podcast, we're going to talk to Jim about the impact that the coronavirus had on his business. Jim Gaffigan is a stand-up comedian, actor, writer, and producer, and my all-time favorite comic. I've been a fan of Jim's for a number of years. His material is often about fatherhood, observations, laziness, and food. He has had several successful comedy specials, including Mr. Universe, Obsessed, Cinco, and Quality Time, all of which have received Grammy nominations. His memoir, Dad is Fat, and his most recent book, Food, A Love Story, are both published by Crown Publishers. He co-created and starred in a TV Land television series based on his life called The Jim Gaffigan Show. And now stuck at home with his wife and five kids, Jim has been busy doing segments for CBS and a hugely popular YouTube cooking show called Let's Get Cooking. Uh, yes, cooking is what, what Jim is doing. Jim, you know, you're from New York. I'm from Philly. But you realize that, that Paychex is, they're sponsoring this and they're headquartered in Rochester and you're kind of like a hero in Rochester because of that garbage plate thing that's going on. You, you realize that, right? Yeah, no, it is so fascinating. Um, the the journey of my relationship with Rochester, obviously there's, I travel or I used to travel all the time and I would see that uh, all these cities had these regional food specialties. And so it, essentially, you know, my initial YouTube show idea was Jim Eats the World, where when I'm traveling doing stand-up, I would try the local specialty. You know, for instance, it would be uh, a cheesesteak in Philly. And in Rochester, it was a garbage plate. And so I also compiled some specific stand-up on these individual topics in Jim Eats the World. And so then, you know, quarantine or shutdown, whatever you want to call it, happened. And uh, I released my YouTube video uh, about Rochester. And then the people at Zweigel sent me, they make hot dogs, sent me the makings for a garbage plate. And so then I ended up having a second video about Rochester. And Rochester, it, they have such pride associated with the garbage plate, which is funny and also kind of inspiring. And so that's that's this strange journey that occurred uh, with my uh, love affair with Rochester. Yeah, you know, I get up to see paychecks, you know, I don't know, a couple times a year, and they're always very nice, and they, they'll take me out, and uh, they, they love it, you know, and all the people there are born and raised in Rochester, so it's like this this real sense of pride, and um, I don't know, I'm always like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I've never eaten it, because it just looks horrible, but I guess you're up for trying those kinds of things. Yeah, it sounds ridiculous. Yes. And I, you know, again, if I wasn't doing this YouTube show, I probably I probably would have tried it just curiosity, but it it's actually good. It's a strange combination. 
You know, it's like everything is a strange combination. Peanut butter and chocolate is a strange combination. And um, it works. You know, the regional pride thing is very fascinating. And it's, you know, it's silly and kind of endearing what cities and regions of the country they uh, embrace and what defines them. And I, I think it's fascinating, the garbage plate, because it is almost the antithesis. You know, you look at, you know, an hour and a half away is Buffalo and they right. have wings, right? <laughs> right. And, uh, and it's, I don't know, I think it's fascinating. And I think it's a reflection of character. You know, there's a, a working class kind of mentality and the garbage plate kind of embodies this kind of post festive night out kind of mentality too. I don't know. I love it. I love yeah. it. I yeah. People, people have it as a locus. You know, in Philly, everybody talks about the cheesesteaks. Have you, do you even know what Scrapple is? Have you ever tried it? Yeah. Well, you know, what's really interesting, <laughs> at least to me is I do know about Scrapple and I do know about, uh, do you know about mush? That I do not know. Yeah, I'm doing this, uh, I'm doing one of the Finding Your Roots episodes. So okay. I've been going through and And so my ancestors uh, came from Ireland. They went to Pennsylvania, uh, they worked in a coal mine in Western Pennsylvania, and then ended up in Springfield, Illinois. And one of the things that my, so my father grew up in Springfield, Illinois, and he would make us this thing called mush. And I had no idea, and I never saw it anywhere else except for from my dad. And I ran across it in kind of a part of Eastern Ohio. But it is, you know, like there's these uniquely regional things that I think are fascinating. I don't know. Oh, I know I'm all over the place. Well, well wait, before, what is mush? Mush is like a cornmeal, kind of like a polenta thing. Uh -huh. And... You know, but there's there's these hidden gems. Yeah. There's the obvious ones, like the Philly cheesesteak and, yeah. uh, you know, like Chicago deep dish. But right. there's all these different places. You know, there's, you go to, you know, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, and they're all about um, t tamales. You know, you're just like, you go to West Virginia and there, there are sausage rolls. It's It doesn't, necessarily line up with even an ethnic group that settled there. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. I know what you mean. Yeah. Just so Scrapple in Philly, just so you, you know, for those of you that don't know it, it is it's like a breakfast kind of dish that the only description I can have is that after you've finished with everything from a pig, the bacon, the pork loins, but whatever's left over from the pig, whatever's on the floor of the butcher, gets scooped up and made into scrapple. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best way. And you have to be a fill and it's like a badge of honor uh, to eat it and enjoy it. And of course, like all these things, they're like an acquired taste, you know? Yeah, I don't particularly like the smell of scrapple. No, no. It's, you have to be somewhat inebriated to uh, consume it. All right, listen, um, this is a show about business. So uh, let's talk about that. And we'll talk about your current thing that you're doing on YouTube as well. But, you know, you entertain people for a living, but you're not an employee. You are an independent business owner. Um, the people listening to the show and, and the audience that I write for are also business owners. So you've got an organization behind you, right? You know, that does scheduling and marketing and PR and accounting and um, just, just as a starter, I just, I was wondering if you can describe for me 
what your organization is. What is the business of, of Jim Gaffigan? Uh, it's relatively extensive and expanding. You know, I'm also, I believe that you invest money back into things. Um, but yeah, so I wear a lot of different hats. So I have a personal appearance agent. I have an acting agent. I have a television, you know, and there's a television agent and a film agent. Uh, there's also a writing agent. Then there's a book agent. There's also a, you know, a manager who kind of coordinates the whole thing. Social media wise, I have someone who helps with emails, uh, you know, mass emails and my website. There's also someone else who helps with uh, creating social media posts that would, you know, you'd see videos on, on Instagram or Facebook. And then prior to the pandemic, I was looking at uh, expanding internationally. And I thought that YouTube was such a great outlet for that. And so I met with a guy who had done this with other comedians. And so the, he had done social media for a lot of, not a lot of comedians, but a handful of comedians that were successful. And he paired me up with, he had an editor that would uh, edit things and uh, help kind of like build a YouTube channel, he, a kind of, you know, a private contractor who would do editing. And what ended up happening is he got too busy or lost interest. And so I was left with this editor right when this pandemic was going down. And if I would, you know, like some of it is about marketing and awareness. Like one of the things I realized really early on is that when I started touring, whether it's comedy clubs or theaters, I would often return from a city and get a message on social media. Hey, when are you coming to the exact city I was just in? So I realized that I had to build awareness of these shows and traditional forms of advertising were not necessarily that. And so, you know, there's different ways, right? There's social media, there's, uh, you know, a mailing list. There's sure. also this new app called Community, which is kind of a, uh, where you text people or fans. Yep. I call them like-minded people. I don't, fans kind of feels icky to me. You know, the pandemic hits, you, you make your livelihood by doing live shows, you know, and it seems like you're using, you're using social media all with a very similar purpose. You're building a community, but you're trying to drive people to come out to see you live. Yeah. Right. Then you find out that you can't do that. And right now I know you've got a schedule through the fall of live shows and who knows if, if that's going to happen, right. With people going with all the, all the, you know, no one knows. So I guess the question is, first of all, when the pandemic hit, what was that like for you? <laughs> Describe to me that week when the you-know-what hit the fan. Yeah. And then I'm curious to see how that's impacting you now and your feeling about, I feel like you're discovering a lot more about social media and some of these platforms that you might not have had the time to discover before. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, when this went down, I was, you know, as we all know, you can pick different times, but when the NBA canceled their season. <laughs> that was it. I heard that from a few people. Um, like the tipping point. You know, or Tom Hanks, you know, it's there when there is, because, you know, this was changing hourly. I was in, believe it or not, Bogota, Colombia on a, a Latin American tour. And I was about to go to the theater and I got a call from my manager saying that Argentina had closed their borders so that the show the next night in Argentina was definitely canceled. And he was like, do we switch your flight to Sao Paulo, Brazil, or do you want to come back now? And so I was like, all right, now meaning the next day. At that point, I was flying back and it was, you know, during the travel, you know, it's a five or six hour flight. I mean, I don't know, maybe, no, maybe 10. I don't know. It's all a blur. There was this, uh, this reality of, I mean, I guess as a parent and the fact that my wife is high risk, I was more concerned with protecting my family than my career. But I knew that, the, you know, I think I was in a little bit of denial, even dealing with uh, my personal appearance agent and my manager over the next week or so. You know, I think I had this tour of Mexico planned for, it was the tail end of the Latin American tour. And we're like, we don't have to cancel that. This will be done by then. This, by the <laughs> right. way, this was like the last week of March. Right. So we're in, you know, March 11th. And then we're like, don't worry, Mexico is fine. Right. <laughs> and, and so, so, so all around you, the sort of like, you know, the bricks are falling, right? I mean, you start yeah. hearing like, no, we're, we, we're, this is going to be canceled. This is going to be canceled. And suddenly you look ahead at your entire summer schedule, it turns out to be. And you're like, geez, my whole, it's my whole livelihood has been canceled. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now. No, it's, it was this progression. It started initially with, okay, we got to move these, these dates in April and May. And then it's like, okay, we got to move these dates in June. And then it was, okay, in all likelihood, there's not going to be larger stand-up shows in 2020. And so there was this, you know, similar to what we're dealing with the social unrest right now, where mm. every couple of days you have this conversation, where do you think this is going? And, you know, there was this resignation of like, you know, and there's different theories. People are like, oh, people are going to be dying to get back to uh, entertainment. I'm like, right. yeah, are they going to, but are they going to be economically in a position to do that? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like we yep, see the sure. lines for food things. Right. Well, essentially what, what's, uh, you know, as of today, I had a show go on sale in Oceanport, New Jersey, which is a drive-through comedy show. So okay. I'm doing a show at a horse track <laughs> where people drive up, they're, they're safe, and I, you know, I don't even know the complete logistics of it. <laughs> did you, was this your idea, or did somebody come this, and pitch this to you? This, someone came and, you know, there's been like, you know, so like stand-up, there's been 
you know, like, look, there was also these private events for corporations that I had that disappeared. Right. But there's been Zoom comedy shows, which I don't think, you know, I, you know, I'm not saying I would never do them, but, uh, you know, the thing about stand-up comedy is it is a conversation. There is a certain level of yeah. intimacy that I'm not saying me performing to someone sitting in their car, it can be accomplished, but on a computer screen, I don't know. Now it's I've really been, hard. It's really hard. I mean, I, I speak yeah. a lot, um, maybe 50, 60 times a year at business conferences. And, uh, if I don't have an audience to speak to, and you're just in front of your, your laptop to, on a, like a, like a webinar format, you lose all the energy, all the communication. It's yeah. very tough. Um, and in your case, I guess you, you know, you go, it's not just, laughing but it's the whole experience of going out to a show and, and laughing yeah. and laughing with other people you know so what does yeah. that do to i mean obviously you get over the shock of this and it probably took a couple of weeks where you were like okay this is clearly going to be a longer term thing than i was originally thinking so yeah. first question is and again from a business standpoint right yeah. um and obviously not no, no specific details you have to, but did, did you feel any panic from a financial standpoint or were you at least saying like, all right, even if this goes on for, you know, a period of time, I'm, I'll, I'll be okay. I mean, I can, I'll feed my family and we'll be okay. Yeah. So I'm, how were you financially? Financially, I'm fine. Okay. But I also have always, I mean, I, up until my, early 30s, I never made any money. So right. I never developed any habits of spent. Now, that's, that being said, I do have five children. Um, but I never really purchased anything. Like luxury items for me were not, you know, I have jokes about this. You know, I'm not a watch guy. I, you know, I bought the first car uh that i've that i've had in 30 years uh last week uh you know i've rented a house uh in the suburbs and some of it is these expenses i'm undertaking are uh you know obviously they're necessary and i'm grateful that i'm in a position to do it but yeah no the, the income source has completely evaporated that being said you know, I do have a special that's coming out. And so once that's released, uh, uh, I get a portion of a paycheck there. Okay. Um, I also am, you know, my business is, I guess, for lack of a better term, diversified. So I do have, uh, you know, I do these CBS Sunday commentaries. It's not an enormous amount of money, but it is covering uh uh you know some expenses i you know there is discussion i have acting roles that could happen once we get a green light so there is you know luckily my lifestyle is not you know i'm somebody who wants like a, a good meal that's right i don't even <laughs> that's all you ask for out of life yeah i don't even need a good bottle of wine do you know what i mean so <laughs> Yep. So my tastes are not rich. And what I used to spend money on was honestly was bringing my family along on international shows. So uh, it's, yeah, I'm very lucky. You know, I'm glad this happened to me now rather than 20 years ago. 
you, know, you say lucky and you know, you have to realize, I mean, you've, you've learned, listen, I, I, a lot of business people, when all this went down, I mean, a lot of them were out of business in a month or two, yeah. enough cash around and lifestyle plays a big part in your business. And I have a lot of clients and I'm, I'm similar to you in the sense that, um, I like to make my money and put it in the bank and stare at it. And I have very little, I drink box wine and I enjoy, you know, Chinese food as much as pizza. Uh, so don't have those kinds of expensive tastes. I think people get themselves into trouble when they take on too much overhead or their lifestyle doesn't support when something like this happens. You know, I, we own our apartment, you know, it's like, I made a point of not having a mortgage, but again, I'm, you know, uh, I do, you know, whether it's luck or it's, it's sound planning, there is something about, I have a lot of gratitude because I do know that, you know, there's a lot of people that are, um, and it's only going to get worse. Let's be serious. Can yeah. I ask you a question? Sure. Sure, I don't understand. So I studied finance in college and, you know, I still that's don't know how the stock market works. And uh, that's a big waste of uh, money. But what I don't understand why the stock market is, uh, I'm, I'm happy that it's doing well. Sure. But there is part of me that's like, uh, as a business person that says, this doesn't make sense with this reality. Like there's, there's confidence. There's also overreaction, but I look at things and they don't line up. Right. Well, you know what the stock market is? It's, um, there's, there's two big things that, are, that always drive it. Uh, it's a motion thing. Stocks are, are not about today. They're about the future. I mean, people are betting on where things are going to be two, three months ahead. And it is a bet. But right now, when the market itself fell the way it did, and all the metrics are where they are, they all bottomed out. I mean, I think GDP is going to drop 50%, they said, this quarter. It can only go anywhere but up from there. And I think the market is telling you that they expect the economy to recover. And that's what they're betting on. The second thing is that, Jim, there's, like, there's, there's few other places to put your money. And even when there's oh, a global yeah. pandemic and a world crisis like this, the U.S., you're not going to put your money in the, in the Chinese stock market, are you? I mean, so the U.S. continues to be that sort of safe harbor. And if people say, well, we do want to put our money in dollars, where are you going to get a return of more than 1% unless you put it, you know, the interest rates are so low. So what are your options unless you really want to speculate? And it's, it's just one of those few options is just to put it into, into the markets right now because it, it's, that, that's, that's the choices that we have. I think that's what's driving it. But you're absolutely right. It's not like it's tied to actual metrics or that what's going on in the economy now. It's just it's tied based on choices in the future. Yeah. And that's, that's just what it is. The other thing is the market, you know, it'll, it'll fall, but it's just every single financial planner, including myself, will tell you if you put your money in the market, you don't want to touch it for another 20, 30 years. It'll give you the best return right. out of anything else. So you just got to go with the ups and the downs. So there's my financial advice for you. <laughs> for more information about what we discussed today and other coronavirus questions and topics, please visit the Paychex COVID-19 Help Center. The address is paychecks.com forward slash coronavirus dash resources. I want to give my thanks to Jim, and I hope that you enjoyed our conversation with Jim this time. Tune in next time to see how Jim is leveraging social media, particularly YouTube, to grow his business.
This podcast is property of Paychex Inc. 2020, all rights reserved.